Hi, it's Lynn Galadner, and welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm a writer and entrepreneur, and through decades of writing articles for magazines and newspapers and authoring books, I've learned that we succeed through inspiration from storytelling and deep and mutually beneficial relationships. This show began in 2018 after my father was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and I wanted a way to capture his stories and record his insights. It's grown since then to share stories of how people around the world make meaning from very ordinary pursuits. Now I focus on sharing the stories of writers, authors, and those in the world of publishing to learn how and why we create stories that help us make meaning from the mundane. I'm a former journalist and marketing entrepreneur, and I've been teaching writing for more than two decades. As a writing coach, I help authors build their brands and share their words. If you'd like to write with me, check out my offerings at lynngaladner.com. And you'll find more episodes of this podcast at makemeaning.org, as well as on every podcast platform you can think of. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to the Make Meaning Podcast. Now, on to the show. As a child in Northern Michigan, Dawn Chalker wrote her first novel in fifth grade. She's taken classes toward a naturalist certificate through Northwestern Michigan College and helped rehabilitate orphaned wild animals. It was on a hike near her home on the Leelanau Peninsula along Lake Michigan, where she got the idea for her first novel, Bear Me in Mind. Dawn has also written several children's books and is at work on a second novel inspired by her experience as a university student in France in 1971. Today, I am thrilled to welcome Dawn Chalker to the Make Meaning podcast. Hey, Dawn, welcome to the Make Meaning podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear about your writing journey because you've been pretty much writing all your life, right? That's true. When I was little, I used to write these little books and uh, illustrate them. Uh-huh. And in fifth grade, I wrote my first novel. Oh, wow. What was that novel about? Um, it was back at the time when um, people were just starting to write for young adults, say. Mm -hmm. usually something where the main character would achieve something, maybe a high school student in art or one woman was a young woman was raising puppies and then there'd always be a romance. So my best friend and I just, we were reading these books and we decided we would write our own. So that's kind of what we modeled them on. That is so cute. I just imagine these 10-year-old girls really eagerly writing. I was one of those, so I totally remember. Funny, because I keep my corduroy journal from the 70s behind my desk now just to remind me who I've always been, you know? Lovely. Um, Yeah. So it just just takes you back. So I wanted to start by asking you what you love most about writing. It's kind of a, a mindfulness thing, I guess, that when I'm really engrossed in it, that's all I think about. And whatever terrible is happening in the world or anything I'm concerned about, what I'm fixing for dinner, none of that really matters. I'm just engrossed in the characters and the plot and where it's going. And that's a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. Do you write by hand or do you write on the computer? You know, What's I your process? Write, I write on the computer. I actually kind of miss the days when I wrote by hand, but it saves a lot of time, obviously, <laughs> because there's always lots of editing or things I think, oh, no, I shouldn't have said it that way. It should be this way. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, same. I mean, I find that I'm actually much more creative when I write by hand, but um, it's just more efficient to write on the computer. But there is actually research that um, we activate a different part of our brain where we are more creative when we write by hand. 
But yeah, I have like tons of journals that are just waiting for me to open them. <laughs> so, and, you know, to write and, by hand. Right. And I I still saved, you know, journals that I wrote before. And those are very helpful sometimes when I'm trying to come up with ideas or think about, well, what was that like? Yeah. Um, and sometimes I still do write by hand, just if an idea is coming to me and I'm trying to work it out or thoughts that I have, because I do think that in a way, I'm more creative when I'm writing by hand. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I was wondering where you find inspiration or, or your subject matter. Tell me a little bit about how you've come to your topics uh, for your books. The recent book, Bear Me in Mind, you may have looked at the website, hepaticabooks.com, and I describe an, an incident with a bear, and it had a, a big impact on me, a, a very positive effect on me. And anyway, we were hiking one of the trails one day, and this idea came to me about writing this book about this naturalist and how this experience in the woods with this bear kind of opened her up to thinking about her life and who she was. Hmm. What was your experience that that you had in real life that inspired that? Um, We were in Alaska, and we're staying at a bed and breakfast that was about a mile's walk from the Mendenhall Glacier mm-hmm. Park. And mm-hmm. uh, so we walked there and it was just along, a, you know, a regular road with sidewalks on both sides. So we walked down and spent part of the day at the park. And then as we were walking back, about 10 feet in front of us, just by the side of the sidewalk, I saw a bear and I thought to myself, why would somebody put a statue of a bear by the side of the sidewalk? <laughs> and as I looked at it, he turned his head and looked right at me. Oh, wow. And I grabbed my husband and I just said quietly, there's a bear there. <laughs> so <laughs> we did the wrong thing, actually. We turned around and started walking in the other direction. And then we stopped and turned around just to see, you know, is he following us? What's happening? And uh-huh. he was just standing in the middle of the road watching us for uh-huh. a few minutes. And then uh-huh. he just ambled off across the road and went on his way. But that experience of, to me, what was this eye contact with the bear? Uh-huh. just seemed so just yeah. calm and peaceful of just sort of looking at me like, oh, hi, what are you doing here? You know? Yeah. So, anyway. You know, many writing coaches talk about writing what you know. Even when we write fiction, it, it usually comes from something that either we're familiar with or we can research and then have the information. So has that been your experience to write about what you know in your books? Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, and in, in the book, Bear Me in Mind, the characters are all partly based on people I I know, experiences that I've had or someone else has had personally. So yeah, I think that's true. And I think that for me, I'm more comfortable writing something I really know about. I also like to do the research to add to it specifically on Mm -hmm. the details of things to make sure that I'm doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of information in the book about wildflowers And I made sure that the wildflowers that I was citing at that point in time in that location would Mm -hmm. actually be correct. So Mm -hmm. I love doing that research to add to what I know. Yeah. So I'm curious about basing characters on people you know. So like, did they know that this was the inspiration or did you have the experience of people coming to you and saying, is that me? Like, I'm curious about that. Mostly not because I make the characters enough different. Actually, mm-hmm. a lot of times they're sort of amalgamations of people. Yeah. So yeah. They're not so strictly the person that you could tell. But I, my daughter did say, 
you based Candace partly on me, didn't you? <laughs> but she was flattered, I think, because oh. Candace is a is an artist and uh, interested in art, and my daughter is too. So, mm. so I think she was pleased about that. And then yeah. Ryan, one of the other characters, is writing his PhD, and uh-huh. well, we've had a number of friends because we lived in. Ann Arbor for a while, mm-hmm. um, who were writing their PhDs. And mm-hmm. one of them, I think, again, he kind of was, was that about me, but he was flattered that he was, you know, that something about him was in the book. Yeah. Well, I did read it. Of course, I enjoyed it. And so I want to hear about the whole process of Bear Me in Mind. So I, I don't know if you could start from, you know, just how you began and then like the whole journey all the way to publication, if you could take me through that. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> so I got the inspiration, as I say, on the hike. And yep. I just came home and I just started writing that part of it. And then that's sort of how it evolved. I would be usually somewhere else. We do a lot of hiking so often. And we do sort of, we're quiet a lot when we hike, just, Uh you know, not chatting all the time, but looking around us, checking out the, how the trees changed, what kind of flowers do we see? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a meditation. Anyway, ideas would come to me, but they weren't in order. So I would just come and write a scene that Mm -hmm. I knew was going to be in the book. Mm -hmm. And then as I got to know the characters, it was it sounds silly to me, but it was like they were real people and they came alive. And I yeah. would sit down to write a conversation and I wasn't thinking about, oh, this person's going to say this, this person's going to say that. They would just start talking. To <laughs> each other, and I would just sit there and write what it felt yeah. like they were saying. Yeah. So that part was really fun. I enjoyed that a lot. Uh-huh. And every once in a while, then there would be something and I think, well, is that really how it would be like the the police are involved in the book? And Mm -hmm. so I was basing it on, (laughs) we watch a lot of English mysteries. Oh, we do too. That's so funny. Okay. (laughs) Kindred spirits. Yes. (laughs) Um, And so I realized that I was basing my experience with the police on these English stories. (laughs) So I thought, well maybe I better look up what really happens in this area. So I looked it up to make sure that the titles and the structure of the police department was mm-hmm. actually reflecting what would mm-hmm. be, it would be like up here. Yeah. yeah. Um, things would come up. Well, how did the drug dealers know this? Or how did this person know that? Mm-hmm. So then I have to think about well, well, how would that really happen? So mm-hmm. in one situation, there's a tracking device and mm-hmm. there happened to be an article in the New York Times about tracking devices. So mm-hmm. I read that and my husband and I talked about, oh, how might that work? How would that really look? So mm-hmm. so they were just, it kind of came together in pieces, I'd say. And mm-hmm. then and every once in a while, I get to the point and I'd go, well, I think this is done. Mm-hmm. But then I'd look at it again and I'd go, no, that's not really quite. People are going to wonder, well, why did this happen? Why did that happen? I had some readers. I had three people who read it for me. How'd you find them? One was my daughter. She's uh-huh. she's an artist, but she's also an excellent writer. Uh-huh. Um, when she was in high school, her writing teacher actually called me. And teachers don't do this very often, I know, from working in the schools. <laughs> um, she called me and said, your daughter is a really good writer. Her dialogue is really excellent. Mm. Anyway, I know she's a very good writer. She's a poet as well. And I, and I know she'll tell me what she thinks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She read it and she was the first person who said, you should publish this. She thought the dialogue was authentic uh-huh. and, and the characters are close to what her age is. So mm-hmm. that made me feel 
well, maybe this is all right. And then a friend who she's just very smart. She's very literate. She reads and she just has a knack for looking at the whole picture and telling me what's missing or what I might do or Mm -hmm. something I should think about. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the third person was my husband and he writes mostly nonfiction, Mm -hmm. although he likes fiction a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. He's very good at grammar and structure and spelling and all that. Uh-huh. So there were sort of three different perspectives, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I would have liked to have more people read it. I just, I used to belong to the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, the Michigan mm-hmm. chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I learned a lot about critiquing. Yeah. I used to attend their conferences. They did an annual weekend conference and mm-hmm. there would be editors there from publishing houses who would make presentations on writing and publishing. And then mm-hmm. they would, for a small fee, they would critique part of a sample of your work and mm-hmm. then you and talk about it. And then the third thing was you would get assigned to a critique group based on the genre you were writing in. Okay. Been with a lot of different critiquers uh-huh. and some people are really good at it. Yeah. And some people are really terrible. <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> so yep. I was I was just careful about, I didn't want to just ask just anybody because if somebody doesn't really understand the writing process or what it is that I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. it can be discouraging. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so there was that. And then I did pay someone who was an editor. Mm-hmm. I did pay someone to critique my work, but... Mm-hmm. I did not think it was very helpful. (laughs) Okay. All right. It did not look at what I was trying to do. And one of the things I learned in SCBWI, one of their very strict rules is the first thing is that you respect the writer and what the writer is writing. Mm. It's not your writing. It's not your job to tell them what they should do or Mm -hmm. what their book should be, Mm -hmm. that you look at it from the point of view of what is this person who's writing trying to achieve and Mm -hmm. what might they do to make it better? Anyway, I did not find that helpful. So I dismissed that. Okay. (laughs) And then I didn't feel like I had the time to try to find an agent and go, you know, get a regular publisher. Okay. I was looking at the options for publishing. Mm Mm-hmm. So I checked out one place and mm-hmm. they I could pay them thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And if I did what they told me to do, including mm-hmm. who my character should be, what they should say, mm-hmm. what the plot should be, they would put it in their publication list. If I wasn't willing to do that, I could still pay them thousands of dollars, but they wouldn't put my book in their list and promotion. And I thought, well, neither of those sounds like a very good choice. I talked it over with my husband and he said, why don't we just do it ourselves? So I found a book at the library on self-publishing and she's a she was an author, an editor, and did set up her own company to self-publish. So anyway, we just started going through the steps of what you needed to do, how to get an ISBN number, mm-hmm. how to get a uh, Library of Congress number, mm-hmm. what you needed to do for a copyright, mm-hmm. looked at a- acknowledgments, how do people, so we looked at books, then how mm-hmm. do people write acknowledgments, and then the you go through uh, Amazon and Ingham Press, mm-hmm. Spark Press. Mm-hmm. and So that's Amazon KDP and Ingram Spark, right? That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. My daughter designed the cover, mm-hmm. and my husband it's very it's actually very interesting. It's very tricky to get the spine just right. 
because okay. you have to know the exact number of pages you're going to have. And uh -huh. it's within a fraction of an inch that you have to have the space. Hmm. Right. Anyway, my husband figured all that out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so we just kind of went through all the different uh, parts of a book and what you had to do to do those. And that was it. And awesome. then my husband and I basically did the the proofing and grant. We're both very good at grammar and spelling. And we basically did it pretty much ourselves. Mm. And so did you have like a launch party or any kind of promotional things to like let people know the book was out there or anything? I didn't do a launch party. We haven't lived here very long. If I'd still been in Ann Arbor, I would have done that because uh -huh. I knew people there, friends and uh, co-writers and a critique group that I'd been in, mm -hmm. a book reading group I'd been in. But I just didn't feel like I knew enough people here to do a book launch party kind of thing. So I didn't do that, but I did. We did do a sell sheet and had it printed at a printing place. Mm -hmm. I sent it out to all the area bookstores, the Nature Conservancies, the Grass River Conservancy. Mm -hmm. I was working on my natural certificate through NMC. Yeah, and I just sent them a, a thank you note because they had a lot to do with me knowing enough to write this book and include all the nature stuff. Hmm. And sent them a copy of the sell sheet. That's then how they ended up referring to me and my book on their website about the naturalist program. That's pretty cool. That's pretty great. It was cool. I know. I was very excited. And uh, <laughs> they let me put on my, on the website, the Hepatica Books website, um, uh -huh. that they recommend the book, which was okay. very exciting to me because I didn't, I didn't know anybody who had published a book that I felt that I knew well enough to ask them to promote it or to say, you know, that they recommended it. So mm -hmm. that's, um, that was kind of a, something that was missing, I felt, mm -hmm. but yeah, um, I have a lot of respect for the naturalist program. Um, <laughs> Because I just think it's awesome to teach people about all the different aspects of, of nature and helping people to take care of it and appreciate it and enjoy it. Yeah. So what were your goals for the book? Do you have like a vision of, you know, what you want the impact to be or the reach or anything like that? I want as many people as possible to read it. I'm not expecting to make a lot of money on it <laughs> because I don't get that much for each book. And obviously by self-publishing, I don't have a known publisher who's promoting it for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of doing all that myself. Well, if it makes you feel any better, most of my friends who are published with bigger presses, they still have to do a lot of the marketing themselves. That's just the way it is these days. So, you know, most authors are doing a lot of their own promotion. Right. And that's yeah. what um, at the workshop where you and I met, that's what the woman there said too, that yeah. a lot of authors are kind of disappointed by what they think is going to happen. And then they find out they really have to do a lot. Yeah. So I'm still working on that. I sent out sell sheets to family and friends all over the country. Mm -hmm. I tracked down the people who were in my original critique writers group, mm -hmm. one of who is in Germany. Mm. And I found her, she had the same email. I was very excited. So anyway, so people, I know people around the country are reading it. Mm -hmm. So I'm continuing to try to think of ways to promote it. And I donated a book to the library in Traverse City uh -huh. so that people would see it that way. So nice. Nice. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a, it's a long road and it just depends. Like, you know, I, I teach a lot of writing classes and I 
I have a mastermind for author brand and marketing development. And so to really empower authors to understand their brand and and develop a marketing plan. And it's the kind of thing, just like any any business, really, like, what are your goals? Like, what do you want to do with it? And so we talk about, you know, how authors can get out there and give talks and, you know, talk about the book and whatever to put more books in people's hands. I wonder, do you have a goal of writing more books or, you know, what do you think is next for you? I'm actually working on two things. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is a collection of kids stories that I actually started a while ago. It's right now it's called Family Vacations, but that's not what the title of the book will be when when I get Uh done. They're all based on family vacations that I've actually had, Mm -hmm. but I've turned them into different genres. Okay. There's a ghost story. There's a mystery in France. There's Uh a kayaking adventure. There's a backpacking adventure. There's a humorous story. I wrote a story based on my mother's vacation when she was seven in in the 1920s. (laughs) So I got all the real information from her of what, what that was like and what people wore and what people ate and all that. So, so there's that collection of stories I'm working on now, and I'm I'm having people read it and give me feedback. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. And then the second book is, I came across my journals when I was a junior in college. I spent a semester in France, and I kept a journal of that experience. And I'm trying to write a book that combines that experience with a modern day story. Hmm. Why not Why not base it in the time that you were there? Uh, well, part of the story is based on that. It's like two two different stories sort of at the same time. Uh, okay. I've read a lot of books like that. Mm-hmm. I, I read a lot of historical fiction. I'm reading, rereading one right now. But the, so there's the current story, uh-huh. the modern day story. And then there's the journal that the person is reading about mm-hmm. what happened in France during the Second World War. Hmm. Okay. So it's that kind of thing. Cool, cool, cool. Dual timeline. That's amazing. Um, So along the way in your writing career, have there been people who've helped you like mentors who've, you know, guided your writing process or craft or friends who published before you and could offer advice or or even groups um, that sort of provided a writer community for you? Well, SCBWI was really a great experience. I met a lot of people at the conferences that I went to and made some really good friends there. And we kept in touch over the years. And then we would be in critique groups with different people at the conference. So I got advice from people from all over the state who were at the conference. I went to one uh, weekend workshop on novel writing with a writer who um, worked with us for the whole weekend and had a critique group in Ann Arbor. And we met regularly and read our writing and offered suggestions to each other. Had a lot of friends who were writers, I guess, and we we worked together. Nice, nice. So, you know, as our conversation comes to a close, I wonder what advice you might offer to aspiring writers who might be listening to this episode. Well, I think it's important to to write something that matters to you. I can see why you might try to write something that's sort of a current theme of what people are writing or what people mm-hmm. are interested in reading. That changes over time. I read a lot and I keep track of trends of what's been going on and have watched that over the years. So I can see why you might try to write something that was in the current trend to try to get published. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think you should write 
what really means something to you, something that you really want, a story you want to share mm-hmm. with other people. I mm-hmm. think it's important to find other writers who are willing to read your stuff and give you good suggestions about what you can do to make it better or things to think about without trying to boss you around and tell you what you should write or what you should do. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Dawn Chalker, thank you so much for being on the Make Meaning podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure meeting you and talking to you today. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world. And please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more at makemeaning.org or lynngalodner.com.